Uh, I hope you are enjoying uh, this morning and, and this beautiful day that we, we have before us. And uh, what, what we did do last week was uh, talk a bit about the nativity set and putting it up and uh, how he enjoyed doing that. He also talked about uh, its meaning, uh, brings us some purpose in, in focusing on Christmas and, and, and is a symbol really, isn't it, of the, the Christmas story. Well, two, in, every, in every nativity set, no doubt that you see, you will see two particular figures that you will recognise immediately. Those two figures who are, who are there, those two people who are there front and centre surrounding Jesus, Jesus, the baby or the manger. They are, of course, Joseph and Mary. And that is, uh, that is who, we, who we are going to uh, look at this morning. Uh, this morning we, we will we'll go through these narratives of Joseph and Mary and, and look at some of the things that they may remind us of this Christmas time, this season of life. So as we do that, I hope that you will see that the impact that Jesus has on Joseph and Mary isn't just when he is physically born, but it occurs even before that. And I'm going to do something a, a tad different to what I usually do. I'll, instead of just one passage, we'll look through two side by side. And uh, as we do that, we'll be looking through the Gospel of, of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And if you have a Bible, you can flick over and have one finger there and have another finger in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, which tells the story of Mary. And so as we work through those, those two passages together, side by side, uh, we will see, obviously, the impact that Jesus has on Joseph and Mary. But before I do that, let them, before we do that, let's pray, eh? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time this morning we get to take out of our weeks to come and hear from you, to, to look into your word and, and hear what it says. We thank you for the time we get to, to worship together with other believers, to sing, to pray together, to have fellowship together. Lord, we pray that you will be here amongst us. We know that you are and may we, uh, may we hear again from you uh, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For those of you who like to know where we're going, we're going in four sections. I've broken these two passages up in four sections. We've got the situation, we've got the surprise, we've got the sun, and we have the surrender. And you will see that as we work through. But let's start first at the situation, which starts with Luke, uh, with Matthew, sorry, chapter 1, 18 to 19. And it's up there on the screen for you as well. And also Luke 1, 26 to 27. Let me read. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. In the sixth month, the angel was sent, this is now Luke, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent 
by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Well, I'm not sure what strikes you as you read through those two comparative uh, passages. They announce for us the context, the situation that Joseph and Mary find themselves in. And one, uh, one particular point to make here is that these, these two are engaged to one another. Of course, we're celebrating a wedding next weekend and Tim and Carol have been engaged for eight or nine months now and have been leading up to their uh, wedding ceremony next Saturday. But their engagement, this is Tim and Carol's now, their engagement has really no legal ramifications. Uh, some would say, perhaps, not of Tim and Carol, but of engagements in general now, that perhaps uh, the engagement phase in anyone's relationship in towards marriage is really that enough time takes place in order for them to event manage their wedding ceremony and reception afterwards. Or perhaps it's a good excuse to have another party with friends and get more, get more presents from friends and family, yeah? Perhaps more seriously though, the engagement phase in our culture speaks of that strong commitment one has to another and they make that commitment looking forward to being married somewhere in the near future. But unlike the days of Mary and Joseph, there are no legal ramifications for an engaged couple in our day. In our, in our day. But for Mary and for Joseph, for all intents and purposes, they are essentially married. In order to back out of this relationship, in order to back out of this engagement phase, we we read that, uh, that Joseph is pondering and actually will make the decision to, to get a divorce. And so there are, at this point in time, legal ramifications for Mary and Joseph. In order to back out of this relationship, the step of divorce would need to be taken. They may not be married, oh, sorry, they may not be uh, living together, they may not have had a party or a, a ceremony, they, may ha- they haven't consummated the marriage, yet they need to take this step towards divorce to split at this period of time if the, uh, while during uh, this engagement period. And so the seriousness of the situation that they find themselves in is quite dire, certainly for as what Joseph seems to be thinking. He's sitting there hearing that Mary is now pregnant and he's had nothing to do with it, so his natural reaction is that something has occurred that is not particularly great uh, for their relationship. That's an understatement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we're given insight into the character of Joseph. He's an upright and righteous man, seems a rather religious man, seeks to follow, I think, the, the Old Testament law that has been set. He has, uh, he has, he's a hard worker, he seems kind and fair to others. He's in the line of David, the great Old Testament king. And here we get a picture of a, of, a man of Joseph, 
who seems to be a very upright and, uh, and proper citizen of his community. He could be a good bloke, you know, he's a good bloke. Yeah? And because of his nature, because of him seeking to do what is right, he, he doesn't want to uh, disgrace Mary at all. He still cares for her, even though he was thinking about uh, proceeding with a divorce. He doesn't want to do that because that would put her in an even more shameful position that she already finds herself in. See, Mary finds herself in a position where she is, is shamed not only by her, by, by her initial family but also by the community around her. If you know anything of Eastern culture and particularly back in here in the first century, shame is the big disgrace in the family. Shame and honour is the big, uh, the big two uh, concepts that in which you think and, and operate. And so for Mary to, to fall pregnant brings shame towards Joseph, her family and her, her wider community. But that also got me thinking about how this continues. This, this shame is, is upon her immediately after she is, it becomes pregnant. And it's rather obvious that she's pregnant because her belly is going to expand somewhat. But think about the rest of her life. Those who are sceptical towards her, towards how this baby was uh, created and formed, while her shame continues on and on and on throughout her life. And so Joseph does not want to, want to, to, to make that any worse. He wants to still care for her and be kind for her. So seeks to do that secretly discreetly he still is kind towards her wants to care for her despite this this situation that they find themselves in but of course there is a surprise to come isn't there and we read that Matthew 1 20 to 21 and Luke 1 28 to 33 here we find the surprise But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. From Luke. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel uh, told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. It is somewhat inconceivable and and unbelievable for our 21st century Western cultured and educated minds to get our heads around an angel coming to these people, angels coming to these people, perhaps 
the same one, we're not sure, and telling them of this news. The surprise is obviously that there is going to be a baby and this baby is born of the Holy Spirit. I'd be just as surprised just to have an angel come to me, let alone be told, well, I can't really be told that, I suppose. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. And while the angel of the Lord has uh, has come here to Mary, the Gabriel, uh, it it seems quite obvious that this was going to cause her stress and trouble, isn't it? I'm sure you have people in your life that have you've explained something to them and they've gone, "Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, no worries, that'll take care of itself. She'll be right, mate." Uh, well. I'm not sure when you, how you react to when someone says that and whether your worry continues once someone has said that, but it usually does, doesn't it? The phone call or the text for someone to, uh, who comes up to you and says, oh, I'd like to catch up, I've got something to tell you, but they don't tell you what it is and they give you no context until the particular time, your mind wanders, you wonder, what is going on? Is this, is this something good? Has something bad happened? Am I in trouble? Sounds, it seems to me Gabriel could have said things a little more subtle to help lower the stress of Mary, but no wonder she is a little troubled uh, by this and confused about what's going on. But the surprise is, of course, the pregnancy the angel telling Mary, you are going to be pregnant. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's someone who is pregnant telling the world and everyone else that they are having a baby. And we all celebrate with them. This time it is God, it is the angel telling Mary. And this is some big news, isn't it? This is big news. I'm not sure how you think and, and react to big news, but generally on a personal level, Big news revolves around the big things of life, doesn't it? The announcing of resignation or retirement at work or starting a new job. The announcing that you're moving house or moving state or moving overseas. The announcement of someone passing away close to you, a family member, friends. Someone announcing significant health issues, chronic health issues and complications. The announcement of getting engaged and getting married, being proposed to, and obviously aptly for this morning, the announcement of a child to be born, you're having a baby. These are big news items in our lives, aren't they? Big ticket items in our lives. Depending on what season, it could also go down to getting your licence or buying a car and things like that, couldn't it? Well, the angels have appeared to Joseph and Mary and they have announced this great big news to them. Surprise! You're having a baby. Rather, a rather, uh, surprise again is an understatement, isn't it? When my, uh, a mate of mine was, went to, uh, was having their third child, was, Went off to the sonographer to get their uh, ultrasound scanned and uh, see the baby themselves. They, they sat there and the sonographer announces to them, congratulations, there are two. 
And so they go from two to four immediately. And my mate is, the story goes that my mate just sat there, went white as a sheet and almost fainted. A big, big surprise. A big surprise. Surprise. And so this is the surprise for Mary and for Joseph. And it's interesting to, to think about the way in which God here impacts their lives, comes decisively, comes and encounters Joseph and Mary in a way that, that changes their lives forever. Here are two very ordinary people. Joseph a carpenter, we're told. Mary, not yet 15, uh, supposedly. Uh, works with her family, no doubt. They live in a little village, no-name village, out in the sticks in the farmland. They're quite poor, even by first-century standards. But here comes God, God Almighty, and shows once again that he uses ordinary, everyday, regular people for his greater purposes. Through Mary and Joseph, God will come and enter the world in physical form and he will come and be part of humanity himself. God acts decisively. God acts through an encounter with his people and God uses his people for his purposes. It's worth mentioning that the subject of the virgin birth of Mary becoming pregnant by God, uh, becoming pregnant with God's son by God himself is a deeper subject that I can explore this morning. Uh, and there are many, many, uh, People that you can read uh, both online and through books that will give you a deeper appreciation for that. Uh, but as, as they will explain that a little bit better than I perhaps. But the text here this morning explains to us that God is entering the world in human form. God is coming in to this world. And Mary, Mary will be God's God's son's mother. She will sit there, she will birth him, she will nurse him, she will feed him, she will rock him to sleep, she will kiss him goodnight. Don't you just wish we had stories of what it was actually like in those first, you know, first little while of of Jesus' life? She'll change his nappies, she'll discipline him. She'll clothe him, she'll feed him. She will be everything for him, bringing him up, raising him as her own, of which he is. And for Joseph, being Jesus' human father, well, he too will parent Jesus and have a significant impact on his, uh, on his life. And significantly, he is the one also that, that names Jesus given the task of naming Jesus, a significant um, uh, thing to do in order to again highlight that Joseph is also his legitimate uh, father too. But neither Mary nor Joseph uh, 
take any action for this, this event to occur. God do, does so by inserting himself into their lives. And God does similar with us. He comes down to us. He comes into us through his spirit and turns our hearts towards him. To recognise his great love, his great power, his mighty acts, he turns our hearts towards him and we give him praise and thanks for that. God enters the world in human flesh. He enters the world as one of us. He is conceived through Mary by the Holy Spirit. Welcome to encountering Jesus. He'll change your life, won't he? We're also told a little bit more about this Jesus, this baby that is to come through Mary. We read that in uh, Matthew 21, uh, Matthew 1, 22 and 23, and also Luke. Let me continue by reading the passages relating to the Son. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. From Luke, Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her, uh, for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. This pregnancy and birth through Mary something that has been foretold, foretold in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The virgin will come pregnant, give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isaiah seven fourteen. The people of God are told, foretold of this event, of this son coming into this world. Emmanuel, that God will be with them. And will be with them here, as we know, in a physical human form. But isn't just, it isn't just this coming into the world that is significant, though. It's not just that, but he, he, Jesus doesn't just come in and, and take a stroll around the land of the Middle East and, and see what's going on and then, then decides to head off again. No, Jesus comes with a purpose. God has a purpose here for us and for his life. We're obviously told of all these names, Lord Most High, God's Son, these names that are given to this baby. But the purpose of Jesus coming is given to us very early on, actually in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1. We're told clearly, Joseph is told clearly, of why this baby is to be born. And this baby is to be born because he has come to save the people from their sins. This is the purpose of his life, to come and save people from their sins. This is the good news. 
This is the reason Jesus has come into the world. This is the reason we come together and worship this morning. That Jesus has come and saved us from our sins. This is why the gospel is good news for us, for all humanity. Why we consider this season a season of joy and hope and peace because it is through him we have these things. It is through Jesus that we are saved from our sins. And during his lifetime, Jesus explains this to his disciples, to us, over and over again, in different ways. But one of his clearest affirmations of this is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Joseph, prior to Jesus being born, is told the reason Jesus is coming. Jesus, in his lifetime, himself knows the purpose for which he has come, to save humanity from their sins. What glorious good news is there for us? It is this, that God has come to save you from your sin. Jesus has come for you and for me. God comes down to us. He lives with us through this person of Jesus. Our lives are changed as we encounter him. Mary and Joseph's lives are encountered, encounter him and are changed forever. He comes. He lives to die. He lives to die. He lives to die in order to die on that cross to save us from our sins. The purpose here is given to us. The reason for which he is born this Christmas, it is worth reminding ourselves the purpose for which we we remember this event, the purpose for which this babe is born, to save humanity from their sins. When we encounter Jesus, our lives are turned upside down. I hope they are, at least. We go from from sinners to being people who are saved. We go from people who are self-orientated to saviour-orientated. We live for his glory, his pleasure, his, his praise. Seek to follow him, to serve him all of our days. Encountering Jesus is a life changer. A life changer for Mary and Joseph. A life changer for us as well. And that leads us to our final reading and final point, the surrender. The way in which Mary and Joseph react to this event and situation and news. Let me read from Matthew. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. From Luke, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. 
both Mary and Joseph, their lives are changed forever. With the announcement of a baby, their lives, I can't, their lives are totally turned upside down. Yet they still surrender to God, surrender to his word, what he has told of them, uh, asked of them and told them. Joseph no longer makes the decision to head down the track in getting a divorce, to pursue a divorce. He now follows the instructions of the Lord. He, he goes ahead and marries Mary despite what sort of social outcast and cultural shame he may receive. No doubt what everyone else is telling him not to do, his family and friends and the village around him. And for Mary in these things, she, her response gives us an insight into her personality. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done according to your word. You can, you can feel her humility as you read those words. You can feel her acceptance and her obedience. You can feel her surrender to God. Mary accepts the word of the angel in, in such a way that highlights her willingness to take a step forward into what God has for her. Even though she knows it's going to be uh, a tough for her, a tough life ahead in, in many respects. She steps into surrendering to what God is calling her to and continues to follow, follow God. This is not some blind obedience either. Where, you know, it's not a blind obedience where she says, oh, you hold all the cards, God. All right, I'm, I, I don't have any other choice. I'll just, I'll just have to go with it. No, Mary's obedience is grounded in the reality that God is her creator, that God is her keeper, that God knows her and, and so he, he is the one that deserves her service. We too are to ground our obedience in that truth as well, that God is our creator and our keeper. Ground our own, grounding our obedience in, in, in God and our service in God, because we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the, the capacity or the power or the rights to tell what God what to do. Under his guidance and under his wisdom, under his word, we come to understand that, or we come to understand what he requires of us as one of his children, as part of his people, as we seek to follow him, complete surrender to him. So a question this morning is, are you willing to trust God in anything that he sends us and sends you in order, in, in, sorry, are you willing to trust God in anything, in anything that he sends you in your life, whether you understand it or not? 
Are you able to respond in such a way, such a way like Mary, where you can say to God, I am your servant. I am the Lord's servant. Becoming a Christian isn't like signing up for the gym and going and following their eat well, live well program where uh, that will help you and help you flourish to your full potential. The Christian faith isn't like another vendor supplying spiritual services for you to engage in as long as you feel comfortable and, and, and it's meeting your needs. Christianity is not a negotiation, but it's a surrender. We don't negotiate with God, we surrender to God. It means taking our hands off the wheel and letting God drive our lives. I am the Lord's servant. Are we willing to say that? John Wesley, one of uh, the great figures of Christian history, uh, once wrote a prayer about this kind of surrender and it is, it is often uh, repeated uh, in, in services at times. It's called a covenant prayer and I'd like to read it to you. It'll be up on the screen. And he writes this. Maybe you can, you can pray it uh, along with me perhaps. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. May we, as we encounter Christmas, may we encounter Christ. May Mary and Joseph be an example to you, in their surrender to God. But also may you surrender your life and your ways to God just as baby Jesus surrendered his life and his ways for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your Your name be great and may we praise you this morning. And Lord, uh, we know the Christmas story uh, because we, we know it often, we hear it often, we hear it every year. And Lord, each time we come to it, we, we come to it with a sense of familiarity. Uh, But Lord, Here, as we've looked at Joseph and Mary, Lord, help us surrender our lives to you, to see that you call us to surrendering ourselves to you in obedience and service. 
Lord, we're thankful that we're reminded of your great love for us, of coming down in human form for us to save us from our sins. We thank you for the cross on which your son has died. We thank you for the expression of love that is for us, uh, shown to us, and out of response may we surrender our lives to you also. We look forward to how you continue to work in us and remind us of these things this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.